The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. Now it is 27 minutes to 11. On the line we have the Associate Editor of the Surf Coast Times, James Taylor. Good morning. Good morning, Mitchell. And uh, what's happening down there on the Surf Coast today? Schoolies time? Well, for school, I'm sure there are some schoolies about. I haven't been out on schoolies watch. I'm sure some people are, some people are probably, well, I don't want to be, I don't want to start casting dispersions on people. Some people might be peering through their windows and going, oh no, the schoolies are back. But I'm sure all the, I'm sure the cafes and restaurants and some of the licensed venues will be very happy to see schoolies out and about in Torquay, Lawn and other, and other popular places that schoolies will be to go and, and, and good on them too. I, I only I only vaguely remember Year Twelve. It was it was some time ago now, but I do remember it was stressful, and I do remember being very glad that it was over. Mm. Um, just reading some of the reports this morning about what's happened on the Mornington Peninsula with um, an altercation, it would seem between police and one fifteen-year-old charged with what appears to be sort of a king hit of a police officer. Doesn't look good. Um, so I'm just hoping that none of that sort of thing is happening down there on the surf coast. That maybe the ones that have gone to the surf coast are a bit calmer. Well, I certainly hope so. I think given the weather down here, it's absolutely fantastic. It was, it was fantastic yesterday. It's fantastic right now. I'm sure it'll be fantastic, fantastic tomorrow too. We're giving Queensland a bit of a run for our money at the moment, given how, given how good the weather is down here on the surf coast. So hopefully everyone just sort of heads to the bench and puts on their sunscreen and just chills out. Isn't that, isn't that generally the idea of schoolies? Yes. If I was, if I was, if I was in my in my late teens and uh, just finished year 12, I would be interested in starting fights with the cops. What a, what a waste of time. Yeah, and uh, you, know, <laughs> you um, are trying to, I suppose, you've gone through school to set yourself up for the future and then you go and do something like that and you're know, having a criminal record that undermines everything you've been working for, I would have thought, over the last year or so. Exactly, exactly. Um, and hopefully there's sort of some, like I know um, on the Mornington Peninsula they had sort of a fenced-off area for schoolies to sort of set up a vent, yeah. um, and that meant that the people like us, the older people, could still go and yes. enjoy the uh, facilities without being overrun by schoolies. I don't know if they're doing anything similar down there on the, the surf coast, but is there room no, enough for no, everyone? Uh, yeah, I'd say there is. I'd say there is. I mean, I, I think it helps the fact that schoolies sort of happens... It's sort of here we are at the end of November. It'll be it'll be December tomorrow, and so by the time we get around to sort of the Christmas break, schoolies schoolies has been over for a solid three three weeks or so. Mm. So essentially, they call it schoolies. I think begins really when the when the last VC exam finishes. I think that's like I think that might, I think that might be mid November, and runs in some states. I think to as long to as to as far as December ten. I mean, there's, it is like there's an officially declared schoolies period, like they have with the fire danger periods, which I think have have just begun being declared. I think I think um, either Ballarat or Bendigo has has just entered their their, their fire danger period. Um, uh, they, you have to run that one past my past my colleague up north, Alistair Finlay. He he might know. Um, but yeah, there's no there's no hard and fast schoolies rule. But they'll certainly be all gone by the time by the time um, Christmas gets here. Christmas is Christmas is rapidly approaching. So um, so that's that's one more thing we can all we can all think about. Everyone, will, I think I think our our poll in today's um, our, our, our poll today's social media question uh, was: um, Did you get your Christmas tree up on um, on, on uh, uh, before December the first? And 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 I can give you a live reading of the poll results as of right now. As of right now, the poll results as of right now are. Uh, let's I'm just I'm just rapidly. I'm going to guess that the majority of people have actually said yes because I know in our house I'm one of the people that says you have to wait until the first, but uh, that doesn't stop the yeah. more Christmas keen people in our house putting up the Christmas tree. 
That's true. That's true. Here it is. Here it is. Here's your Christmas tree up before December the 1st. I'm going to say yes because it's true at my house. Uh, and the live result as of right now is 36% say yes and oh. 64% say no. Well, I'm saying that I'm saying that some of those some of those 64% might not actually be truthful because I think people putting up their Christmas trees early is much more widespread than people might like to admit. I don't know why. I don't know why. Christmas is fun, and and and, and it's been a, it's been a terrible year. It's been mm. it's been a terrible two years really. So let's all to celebrate as fast as we can. Yeah, that's right. And uh, that Christmas, I think it puts a, a closure on maybe the chapter of lockdowns. But, you know, I was having a look at my, my social media, and it was only a month ago yesterday that we were actually allowed to go back to Melbourne. And I suppose it's just a reminder of how quickly, when the restrictions ease, how quickly you forget about what it's like to be in the harshest of lockdowns, at least in my case. Uh, absolutely, yeah. It's amazing how fast we can sort of get conditioned in the habits. I know, it was, I know I've had this discussion with people about how it was almost, it was almost easier to be in sort of very harsh lockdown and, and to have that consistently because everyone knew what the rules were and the rules were, and the rules were the same. But given we've been yo-yoing in and out of lockdown for the past little while, um, there's, there's a bit of hesitancy going on. So as I, I think if, if the good weather holds in this part of the world and also obviously everywhere else, I think you'll see more and more people sort of emerge from their houses, which you're obviously allowed to do, and walk around outside without your mask on, which you're obviously allowed to do, um, and go and sit down and sit down at a hospitality venue without your mask on, which you're allowed to do. And, um, and there's been a return. So I think, I think, I think the, um, the Lord Mayor of Melbourne described it. I heard her on the ABC a couple of weeks ago in the immediate aftermath. Um, she was like wandering around in, in uh, central Melbourne in the very early hours of the morning um, when, the, when those restrictions lifted. There's been a return to vertical drinking, which is a wonderful <laughs> phrase and one I'm going to use all the time. Essentially describing what it means when you when you go to a bar and you don't and you don't sit down. You are doing you are you, you are doing vertical drinking. Yeah, fantastic. Um, just something else in terms of nomenclature, and someone was pointing out yesterday um, that we're really learning the Greek alphabet, aren't we? Because uh, yes, Omicron, I didn't even know that was a Greek letter until I looked it up yesterday. Absolutely. I, 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 I thought that, that this is clearly how rapidly this thing stands. They're, 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 they're moving around the designations for the, uh, for the, for the latest variation of COVID-19. I was under the impression that the, that the new variant, whatever whatever other designation you want to call it, was going to be called the new variant. But then everyone started talking about Omicron. I uh, said, so, okay, so I guess Omicron is it. But I also discovered yesterday, this is me showing my total lack of knowledge of Latin, is that Omicron describes the, the uh, lowercase version, if you like, of the, of, of the general letter O. And 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 omega is is the large one. Ah, okay. Uh, but now I'm yeah, sort of, of trying to wonder what happened between delta and because uh, delta, I think, is the letter D. I think. Yes. Um, what what's happened between delta and then epsilon and all those other ones to get to omicron? Have there been other variants that we just haven't heard much about, or they haven't really affected us here in Australia? I have no idea. I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's a reason. Why they why they give these things a designation they do, and I'm sure there's a reason why they catch on. I mean, once you once the WHO starts saying it, you know, like, I guess I, I guess if the WHO is using it, that, that 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 designation, we should be using it too. Um, but for on the face of it, it doesn't appear logical. You think you would have um, whatever letter is next in the in, in in the Greek alphabet, and I'm certainly happy to be corrected to say if if Omicron is much closer to the start of the of the Greek alphabet of, 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 of the of the of the Greek alphabet than than I think it is. Um, but uh, but but here we are with Omicron. Hopefully it's not. Um, hopefully it's not as bad as they say it is. I'm not going to start making it. I, I've heard very uh, the, only, the, the only consistent thing that I've heard from all of the experts that I've heard talk about this over the past couple of days really flared up on sort of Saturday. Right, Saturday. I think yes. about. Everyone started, everyone started talking about it. the only the only thing I consistently heard over all this time is that we don't know nearly enough. Everyone just 
everyone just be cautious. We're going to put some things on pause. And I think that the Australian government just this morning has put its um, its plans to let international students back into the country um, on hold for a couple of weeks. Um, so that's um, so that's uh, that's unfortunate for them. But hopefully, hopefully, it is that is that is happening with Omicron can be sorted out. And um, we can and we can resume sort of international travel. I know that um, I know that the um, there'd be plenty of people from, from both the business perspective and also and also sort of those looking to visit the friends and family from overseas. Um, they will be looking to sort of get get into Australia um, as fast as they can because uh, tourism is something that the that, that surf coast has not had a lot of over the past couple of years. I'm sure there'd be a there'd, there'd be a few business operators who'd be. Um, Hoping for a hoping for a very large summer with um with, with the with the slow and gradual return of international tourists. Now, have you got any political campaigning updates for us? Because I see that Daniel Andrews has been down here, as has Anthony Albanese, and it's a huge time it would seem in the race for Karangamai, but also even for governments and oppositions to try and shore up some of those state electorates around the region. Absolutely, it, it, it was um it was it was definitely all Labor last week. We had uh, we had Daniel Andrews turn up. To uh, the lines for the for the next stage of the Geelong, of the Geelong Arts Centre, I think I think that was on Friday of um, of last week, um, uh, and then Mr Albanese and uh, and Richard Miles, who is known as well as being the Crow MP, is also the Deputy Labor Leader. So talk about the Labor heavy hitters turning out with uh, Libby Coker to talk about um, Labor's pledge to fund, to fully fund stage two of the Bowenheads Road duplication. Um, if they win the coming federal election, whatever that might be, speculate wildly all you like. And if you, the only way you can possibly, the only way you possibly get an answer, and that would be if you got Scott Morrison on the phone, and even then he probably wouldn't tell you uh, because he's, he's, he may he's not even know himself. Well, you would like to think that the prime minister has some idea about what he's going to call the federal election, or at least can give you some explanation about why. But his answer will be his answer is effectively a short version of "I will call it when it is when it is most politically advantageous to do so." At some point before the twenty second of May, I think is the. Uh, is the absolute deadline to actually get this thing through. Um, but yeah, I'm expecting sort of more and more political activity sort of as we go. I mean, I don't, we are still in this in this Clayton's election campaign we have, and there's all sorts mm. of speculation about when the um, when the federal election is going to be. Obviously, um, the uh, state election is still some time away yet, given it's not going to happen until towards until the end of November in 2022. But that doesn't mean that um, that doesn't mean that um, um, anyone from Labor. All the liberals, or or from any, or, or 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 any of the independent candidates, um, aren't going to pop up and sort of take advantage of, of that sort of thing. I mean, as I recall from previous um, from previous sort of federal elections, that um, that the state MPs are fairly happy to sort of campaign alongside their um, their, their federal counterparts and have sort of things jointly, and they talk about sort of joint announcements. Um, Depending so on how the uh, the fortunes of the federal person's going at the time, because I've that's heard some right, state elections where they've said to the Fed, "Stay away, don't come to our state." <laughs> that's right. That's right. I'm thinking. I'm thinking most particularly of um, of the of the of the of the situation leading into um, leading into the uh, liberal the, the state liberals' fortunes leading into the last state election. Yes. Um, well, that wasn't going really well, and, and 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 some of the swing against Matthew Guy at that particular election and. Um, was certainly certainly attributed to the to the woes the federal liberals had just gone through in terms of in terms of the uh, the uh, change of leadership from Malcolm Turnbull to Scott Morrison. But one one state MP, twenty one state election, who who won't be going around again um, after twenty two will, will be John Aaron, who announced he he was um he was stepping down he he would step down at this coming election 
um, after I think I think nearly two decades. Well, he started um, in two thousand and two, um, and that was yeah, in the upper house, right. and then uh, got into Lara in '06. Yeah, so he's been a he's been one of those people who's been um, who's been a, a servant to the people out in Lara for a very very long time, and it'd be, it'd be fascinating to see. Firstly, firstly, who who Labor decide should be his successor out there. I don't, I don't think there's a I don't think there's a name that naturally comes to mind. But there isn't there isn't there isn't an obvious successor. I don't think he's been. Ob- publicly grooming anybody to say, well, when I step down, this person will take over from me. But it'll also be interesting to see how much of that how much of that labour vote over those past two decades can be attributed purely to John Aaron alone and not to um and and and, and, and not to Labour policy. So who knows? Lara might become more 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 marginal in the future. I mean, it's very it's very hard to tell. They very much very much must have wait to see to see who they select um in um in Lara, and, and and if the Liberals consider it to be a possibly a winnable seat again, and, and who and and who they decide to put up against it. We were talking on the program yesterday about the oh. Lara situation, and uh, at the 2018 election, John Aaron got about 59 percent of the primary vote, um, which would have to be yeah. the envy of most state politicians, I'd imagine, because to get 59 percent, I mean, you're through before even any preferences accounts uh, counted. Absolutely, that, that, that's a dream situation. That is a dream situation to have. To have everyone, everyone loves you and all, and all the party you represent and all the policies you have that are, that are, that, are, that are more than half of them say, yeah, we we are we are like this person. Number one, it just takes all that tricky business about preferences right out of the question. Correct. Um, now, in terms of Surf Coast politics, I see the uh, mayor and deputy mayor have been re-elected again. They have, they have. Liz, uh, Libby Sableton and Liz Patterson uh, have held their held their seats, and they will and will and will lead the shire again for another for another one year term. So that's it. so so they had one year, and the and the and the councillors got behind them again and decided to vote for them again. So that's that makes it easy for them too. I mean, I, I'm not sure if there was these things are these things are generally um, decided well beforehand, um, and I said, but that was the case again this time. Yeah, it certainly does. I don't know. Maybe there's yeah. an argument there because I know the borough of Queenscliff has does the, done the same with uh, Councillor Ebbles re-elected for another year. I just wonder if maybe there's an argument for two-year mayoral terms, a bit like what we have here in the city of Greater Geelong. Well, I, I, I guess I, I guess you could say that maybe 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 um, it has been the case that sort of the mayoral team moves around a little bit. I know um, I know Rose Hodge has been there of the surf. I would have you you have to get Rose on the phone and ask her. I can't remember. Rose has been there at least three times. It's a lot, yeah. Uh, at least, possibly even four. I would have to go back and check. Um, so maybe it's a position on the surf coast that they like, but they don't like to sort of hive off exclusively. And if you're um, just for the sake of sort of um, giving people experience on the role, and it's a fairly it's a fairly prestigious position being there. But it's also a position where you would learn an incredible amount of that leading leading the organization and sort of being there being the representative for a community so uh, perhaps it's something that they that they'd rather give people one year ago one year goes at as opposed to two something to leave us with what's coming up in the surf Coast times this week some schoolies coverage perhaps no schoolies coverage as far as i know and i'm not suggesting anyone goes out there and does, does anything stupid so that we do have schoolies coverage yes. so i would ask I would, I would encourage you not to do that you wouldn't schoolies. want to end up on the front cover of the surf Coast times <laughs> that's right don't make me do it. Don't make me do it, people. <laughs> uh, but we but, but we will have some coverage of the, uh, the tourism of Greater Geelong and Bellarines uh, conference. Speaking about events, events are coming back. They're, they're, out, uh, 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 they're announcing music festivals all over the place. Um, and they're also sort of events are returning too, um, sort of like, but larger conference events. I saw there was something from the... There was something. Uh, there was something coming to the state government this morning about a couple of um, couple of major events coming to the Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Centre, sort of mid mid to late next year, and something that's been 
postponed and laid sev- and moved around several times has been um, the Tourism Grand Geelong and Bellarine um, sort of end of year conference and celebration. They've got a really interesting lineup of speakers that's happening. I think it might be happening right now on the um, uh, in uh, Central Geelong. I think uh, um, someone said Geelong, one of the hotels. I'll have to check. And so we'll have some coverage of that. I'm sure that I'm sure the TGDB team. Um, are very keen to sort of to look to the future, given that given that everything's everything's been very insular over the past eighteen months or so. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that one. Fantastic. Look, thanks for being on the program, and we'll talk to you again in two weeks' time. And uh, the day in two weeks' time is our last day for 2021. So it'll be a really wonderful uh, program. Looking forward to reflecting on the year with you. Absolutely. Thanks very much. And you just reminded me that um, that our Wham again starts tomorrow. So that's one more thing to look forward to. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much. James Taylor there, the Associate Editor of the Surf Coast Times. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.